0: morning. Good morning, everyone. (laughs) And we're on. It's great to be here um, with you and to worship with you. Uh, Let's take a moment um, to read from Scripture. If you have a Bible, you can pull it out. If you want one in front of you, uh, we're going to be stepping through it this morning. It'll be on screen as well, but you're welcome to grab one from the back if you don't have one. But we're reading from Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3 and reading through verse 6. Let's hear God's word this morning. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. This is God's word to us this morning. Thanks be to God. Well, if you were with us last Sunday, you'll know that for the month of January and for uh, the first Sunday of February as well, um, we're taking time to, to do some unpacking, to unpack um, actually the first chapter um, of Ephesians. And uh, Ephesians is... Uh, a book in the New Testament was written by the apostle Paul and was to the early church in Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey area. And it was uh, written to give instruction, to give encouragement to these new believers, these new followers of Jesus, these new Christians as they had become known uh, in this place called Ephesus. And uh, we're just taking some time to unpack Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 is loaded, and you're going to get a sense of that in a few moments, but it's loaded with, with juicy stuff for us as followers of Jesus. Uh, what we're trying to do uh, to, to give some, some, uh, some order to this is use an analogy, and I talked about this analogy last week. Uh, this analogy is a, is a framework for Ephesians chapter 1. It's the analogy of dancing. If you missed last week, you missed a wonderful video, of my wife, Karen, and I dancing when we were little kids, and yet you continue to laugh at that. I don't understand that. Um, We could be very good dancers. You just wouldn't know it. But we're not, so I just can't stand in front of you and lie. Now, we watched a video of these two little kids dancing, and, and I just used that analogy that when two people who know how to dance and who know how to dance together dance together, it's a beautiful thing. There's a seamlessness, there's an in sync between the two people. And this is the analogy that we're using as our framework for Ephesians 1, where in our Christian faith, there are two dance partners, and it's the dance partners of belief and behavior. What we believe, what Scripture teaches, and what we believe as followers of Jesus, and then how we live that out in our daily lives. And these two two dancers... Um, are to dance in sync with one another. There should be a seamlessness. It doesn't mean perfection, but it means that what we believe, what we know to be true, we ought to be experiencing as real in the behavior of our lives, in the everydayness of our lives. There should be an in sync. There should be a seamlessness. And so we'll talk um, about Ephesians 1 in this context of the dance between what we believe and how we behave. Um, The verses that I just read for us um, as I said a moment ago, are, are jam-packed. Ephesians 1 is pretty dense, um, which is why I, uh, I think it's really good for us to unpack it a little bit. Um, it's jam-packed not with just head information. This is jam-packed with, um, with, his, with key and crucial truth about the living God, about what God has done for you and for me, why God has done what He's done, and who we are as a result, what difference it makes. And all of what we're about to talk about over the next few weeks, including this morning, it should have profound impact on us. Not just, wow, that was really interesting. Thanks for pointing that out to me. But it should have profound impact on how we live our lives the rest of today and this week and next week and so on. In other words, there should be a dance between what's contained in Scripture in Ephesians 1 and, and the take-home for us in our daily lives. Ephesians 1, I started reading it at verse 3. Uh, We talked about verses 1 and 2 last week, but we started with verse 3 this morning. And here's an interesting thing. Ephesians 1, starting at verse 3 and going all the way through to verse 14, which we'll continue looking at that over the next two weeks, that whole chunk is one sentence in the original language. It's one, let's be honest, run-on sentence. It just keeps going, and then and then and then and then, uh, it's one sentence, and it begins, "Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ." That's how it starts, but it's one whole long sentence. It's as if the Apostle Paul, and maybe you, some of you can relate to this. It's as if he has so much in here that he wants to get out there. He just, yeah. And have you ever had that experience where you just you start tripping over your words because maybe you're so excited to tell your spouse or to tell your friend about the good news, and so you just start talking, and their, their eyes are like, like this, trying to absorb everything you're saying, and they're like, okay, take a breath, take a breath. That's kind of what the Apostle Paul is doing here, three, verses three to 14. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and boom, he's off, and we're kind of drinking from this fire hose trying to absorb all of this, that's what we're doing over the next, uh, this week and the next couple of weeks, is just drinking from that fire hose and trying this, to, to break it down a little bit and get a sense of what he's saying in that one sentence. That starts, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the theme, that's the thesis of this long run-on sentence. We're going we're gonna to talk about a number of things, but it always comes back to whatever we're talking about, so then Praise him so then praise him. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The rest of the sentence in verses 3 to 14 is simply uh, the Apostle Paul describing what God has done for us. What what this verse calls the spiritual blessings. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And what we're about to look at um, this morning over the next few weeks, it's an a pretty amazing, awesome list of spiritual blessings, as as Derwin put it a few moments ago. You know, it's a reminder to us that we are spiritual billionaires. Forget Powerball. Um, we are spiritual billionaires, and Paul's about to unpack some of those spiritual blessings for us. But but it's as if he says, before we get to the to the good stuff, before we get to the spiritual blessings, we start with worship. We start with praise. Before the passage gets to the blessings, the focus and the spotlight is turned to God where it should be, where it should be. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As I was thinking about this passage this week and listening to the news and watching TV, watching Netflix and and listening to the radio and looking at advertisements, it struck me about the the importance of starting out with praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's be honest. In a world where we are constantly bombarded with a me message, in a world where my happiness and my comfort and my needs come first, in a world where there's a whole lot of noise and distractions, Christianity, and particularly God's Word, reorientates us. It recalibrates our, our collective inner compasses back to God. And boy, do we need that constantly. Back to God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's good for us to start there, isn't it? <laughs> the long run on sentence unpacks a whole lot of blessings for us, but it begins with a whole lot of praise for God. Hear this. Considering the blessings of God should always lead us to pondering the greatness of God. Considering the blessings of God should always lead us to pondering the greatness of God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's how it starts. That said, let's get to the blessings. Here's one, verse 4 For he chose us in him. Hear this this morning. Out of his own goodness, God desires to bless us. Out of his own kindness, God intends our good, our blessing, our happiness, our joy, even. But in order to experience God's blessings, we need to be in relationship with Him. And Scripture is very clear on a bunch of things, and it's really clear on this, that left up to our own inclinations, left up to, to our own motivations, none of us naturally choose God or His ways. As human beings, our, our, our natural knee-jerk reaction, our, our, our natural reflex action is sinful. I'm sorry if that depresses you, but it's reality. And if you don't believe me, try hanging out with toddlers. Have you ever seen two toddlers enter into a room? Or even better, one toddler visiting another toddler's home when said toddler already has laid claim on all his or her toys. And new toddler enters in and thinks, well, this is great, new toys. What happens there, generally speaking? Mine! No, mine! There's a natural inclination we have as human beings um, to not follow God's ways, but to follow our own, to look out for ourselves. We don't naturally choose God or his ways. Paul puts it really bluntly in in the letter that he wrote to the Roman church in Romans chapter 3. He bluntly says, no one seeks for God. With our own natural inclinations, on our own, human beings don't naturally seek after God or His ways. Our natural reflex action is not to obey. The reality is that none of us left totally up to our own would choose to follow God. And here's the thing, God knows this. And so God, Scripture says, takes the initiative. He chose us. He didn't wait for us to choose Him. Um, this is actually a theme that runs through all of Scripture. In, in, for example, in the, in the Old Testament books of Jeremiah and Hosea, very similar wording is used where, where God says to His people, I have, I have drawn you with cords of loving kindness. It's a beautiful image. It's kind of like the image of a rope. If you had the one end of the rope and I had the other end, and, and it's that, no, I'm drawing you with this cord of loving kindness and mercy. Jesus himself said in John 6, no one comes to me unless the Father, similar word, draws him. No one. It's a beautiful picture. God at work in our lives, inviting, wooing, drawing, choosing. Paul actually uses a stronger term in this passage. He, you know, later on, he says that he predestined us. Now, please Please understand, for hundreds of years there has been theological debate on what what Paul means by predestination, and and, uh, so fear not, we're not going to dive into the whole um, debate and argument this morning, but Scripture, it seems to me, um, is pretty clear that there is is this sense that, that we don't just say, God, I choose you. Paul uses this term predestined. Does that mean that we're robots? that we have no free will, that God just, he says, you, 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 some predestined to choose God and some not. From our limited and finite understanding, um, we, this seems incompatible. We see some sort of paradox between this, this reality where it says God chose us and our own free will as human beings to, to make the choice ourselves. And, and I would say to you this morning, wrestle with that, because Scripture seems to allow for this paradox to, exi- to exist. This, it's, it's a key tenet of our faith. At the surface, there is that sense where we step forward, and, and through faith in Jesus Christ, we choose God. We say, God, yes, I recognize what you have done for me. I recognize it left on my own. My sin is, is, um, is unfixable on my own. I, I don't have the ability to, to, to be holy, and but you have, you have given a sacrifice in Jesus for me and so in faith I come to you. And with my life I say yes. That's clearly a scriptural principle. That at the surface we get to choose whether to allow God to have charge of our lives. And yet, at the same time, scripture clearly teaches that God is at work behind the scenes, under the surface of our lives. Inviting, drawing, wooing, choosing. Because left to our own, we would never choose Him. How, how, how does God choose us? I want you to think about this God's drawing and God's choosing in our lives, it, it comes in really practical daily ways, perhaps through particular experiences or particular relationships where we sense God, where we can sense through experiences or relationships, where we just sense God's whisper in our lives. It might even be that still small voice inside of you. that You can't really put into words, but you just sense God. That's the, that, that's the wooing. That's the drawing. That's the choosing, pointing us to God, drawing us to Him, you know, I would say this to you this morning. If you're, if you are here, and uh, perhaps um, you are still on the fence, considering all this stuff about God, perhaps you've been here for a long time. But if you're honest, you're still considering. You may actually um, kind of make it look like you've you're, you're comfortable in the furniture, but you're actually still thinking, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand how this all goes together. Perhaps you're new to these kinds of things and you're still on the fence and and I I want to simply give you something to ponder this morning. Is it possible that your simple presence here, hearing these words, is a part of God's inviting and drawing and wooing in your life? Is that possible? If you're a follower of Jesus Let me give you something to ponder, and this gets us back to this dance between belief and behavior. Is it possible, looking out at your week that's coming up, is it possible that God wants to use you this week in the lives of the people around you as a tool in His hand of drawing and inviting and choosing someone simply by the way that you live, the conversations you have, the way you live your life? Is it possible That the daily stuff of your life this week, the interactions with people on a daily basis, is it possible that God wants to use you as a tool of His wooing, of of His inviting and choosing and drawing someone else to Himself? How does God want to use you as the cord in someone else's life that draws them to God's loving kindness? Something to think about. Back to the passage. He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. There's this great verse in Isaiah 57 that says that God inhabits eternity. (laughs) It's a great phrase. God inhabits eternity. God is not limited by our time and our space. God has no beginning and God has no end. And we find in this passage a really key thing. God's chosen us. It's one of the spiritual blessings drawing us When did all this start? When did this plan of God start into place before the creation of the world, Scripture says? The whole plan of God choosing you, drawing you to himself, began before the creation of the world, beyond time and space. On this point, a friend of mine actually puts it this way. He says this before the universe began, God designed his plan, and you personally were on his mind. Since God is infinite, he can do that with each one of millions. Like a young couple who dream of their future children and the love they'll give to each of them, God dreamed of you and loving you and created you so that he could do that. You're not an accident, you're not an afterthought, you're not a footnote, you're not a mistake. We belong to God before the human race began and will be His after time has run its course. We're His possession, and thus we're secure in His hand. No disappointment, no tragedy, no turn of human events can alter what God decided before history started. The events of life, good and bad, get this, are opportunity for us to receive God's blessings and then to praise Him for them. You are unique, and the circumstances of your life are yours alone, so only you can experience the particular blessing that God has for you, and only you can give Him the particular praise that you'll return to Him. You have a unique role in His plan, which began before the creation of the world. Isn't that beautiful? God's choosing of us is part of a larger plan a plan that God put into place and into motion before the creation of the world. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. For what? For what? Scripture answers that. Chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. Did you know that God's intent for you is that, that you would grow and mature in holiness. That's God's intent for you. I heard a preacher say once, don't worry, it wasn't Derwin, I heard him say this, God's desire for you is not your happiness, but your holiness. And I sat there and went, I understand what you're trying to say, but I disagree with you. When, w- God's desire for you is not your happiness, but your holiness. You know what? I, I think you got it wrong there. You see, here's the larger picture on this. Sin does not bring lasting joy. We may think it does. It may appear to in the short term, but in the long run, sin brings brokenness, period. And this is our human experience, mine and yours, all of us. Sin brings brokenness ultimately, and God knew that. God knows that, And God also knows that our deepest joy comes when we are in step with Him because that's how we were created. God knows that our deepest joy comes when we are in step with Him. There is joy in the dance when we are in step with God. And so God's desire is to see us grow and mature in holiness because, get this, the more we experience God's holiness in our lives, the more true and lasting joy we will experience. Did you get that? God is not a killjoy. It's not a choice between, well, be holy or be joyful, but you can't be both at the same time. No, no, no. In the grand cosmic plan of God, God knows. Your deepest joy comes when you are in step with Him. And so He wants to help us grow in holiness because our growth in holiness will better position us to experience the lasting joy that He always intended for us. Let's get back to the dance. The events in your life right now, I would submit to you this morning, are all a part of God's work of holiness in you. That's why it's critical that we're always asking the question, Lord, what is it that you are doing? In this situation, whatever the situation is, or in this experience or this circumstance, um, you might be thinking of one right now or, or, or something this week will come, but, but in every situation and circumstance, that's why it's important for us to be asking, Lord, what is it that you're doing? What do you want to teach me in this? How does this fit into your work of of growing me up in holiness, maturing me in that way? What, What is this event, this situation, this experience, this conversation? Insert whatever into here. What is it, God? How does this fit into your grander picture? This is why we even need to be really aware of the role of confession in our lives. The convicting voice of God through our conscience, my friends, is a, is a blessing that we need to embrace. We need to, we need to be consciously aware in our, in our week-to-week activities. W- Lord, what do, where do I need to confess my sin to you? Where do I need to confess? W- what Derwin said earlier, Lord, you know my foolishness. The first words of Jesus when he walked the earth in the Gospel of Mark, it says Jesus steps forward onto the stage of history. What's the first thing he says? He says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent. Believe the good news. There's this sense that repentance and confession is essential. Lord, where am I out of step with what you want to do in my life? And I'm We should be running to confess to God, God, I want to get back in step with you because I know that your work of growing me up in holiness is ultimately designed for me to be more in step with you so that I can experience lasting joy that you have created me for. So, Lord, have mercy on me. Forgive me for my foolishness. Change me. It should be a regular part of our daily and weekly routine. Back to the passage. It continues on. It says, "In love." Just going to stop there just for a second because I can't let that pass over. In love. It's a small phrase, but it's a powerful truth. What's God's incentive for doing all that I'm talking to you about this morning? Well, you know, all this choosing and drawing and um, helping us grow in holiness. What's God's incentive for doing all this? It's lie. That's right. God's motivation, God's reason for lavishing all these spiritual blessings on us that, by the way, Paul's kind of getting into the middle of just spewing out in this one sentence. God's motivation for all of it is His love for us. Ephesians 2, a little bit further on in the book of Ephesians, it says what I referred to last week. But because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ. Please hear this this morning. You might think, well, we say this every week. I I got it. No, no, I need to hear it daily. So we need to hear it at least weekly in church. You are loved by the God of the universe. Some of us more easily accept that than others, but we all need to hear it. You are loved by the God of the universe, not because you're worthy, not because you have it all together, not because you are good enough. You are loved by the God of the universe just because. God says I love you just because. In love it says. And it continues on. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Being chosen, it seems to me, being predestined implies a target. We're we're, we're chosen for something. We're chosen for something. And here we find out what we're chosen for. We're chosen for adoption. We're chosen for adoption. When we believe in Jesus Christ and place our trust in Him to forgive our sins, Scripture teaches that we're adopted. We become God's children. And hear this, please. That's not a metaphor. That's not a, oh, that's so cute. That's lovely. Just that image of kind of being adopted by God, that really helps me. No, no, it's not a metaphor. It's a reality. It's a reality. Romans 8, 15, Paul says, you didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and as daughters by whom we're able to cry, Abba, which means daddy. Daddy. Through faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we learned last week, we undergo a name change. We, we become saints. And this week, we learn that we are adopted as a son, as a daughter of the king of the universe. We become children of God. We become co-heirs, Scripture says, with Christ. And only, only sons and daughters can be heirs. How's that for a spiritual blessing? Let's go back to the dance between, okay, that's what we believe, what what about our behavior? How would the approach to your week shift? Think about your week coming up, whether it's jam-packed, whether there's hard things going on, whether you have a week of vacation coming up, whether you anticipate a week of loneliness, whatever. How would the approach to your week shift if you more intentionally lived out of that reality that you, my friend, are a son or a daughter of the king of the universe? Do you see that? It's not just some weird thing we believe. It has profound impact on how we live our lives. You're a son or a daughter of the king of the universe who loves you, who has chosen you, who is at work in you to help you grow in holiness. Me personally, I've been learning in my life over the last couple of years, to be honest, still haven't quite got it, but I've been learning over the last couple of years to to live in every situation, reminding myself I'm a child of the living God. There's intimacy there. I can say, Daddy. Daddy, isn't this amazing? Daddy, I'm confused. Daddy, I'm angry. Daddy, I'm hurt. Daddy, I'm overwhelmed. Abba is ready to give good gifts. As Derwin said this morning, if if we as human fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more does our Heavenly Father want to give good gifts to those who ask? Okay, two final thoughts. That's preacher speak for I'm getting ready to land, but I'm not quite there yet. Because don't miss this one. Don't miss these last two. Two final thoughts. Here's the first one. All of this, all of these spiritual blessings that we've begun to unpack are, it says, in accordance with his pleasure and will. Why does God do all this? Well, as we've just heard, it's because he loves us. And quite simply, he does all this because he wants to, it pleases him. Isn't that great? All of it in accordance with His pleasure and will. It pleases Him. And here's a second thought. All of this, all of these spiritual blessings are designed to be to the praise of His glorious grace. We end where we began this morning. Remember the first sentence before Paul starts spewing everything? praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he starts to unpack some of these uh, spiritual blessings. In fact, next week, there's another chunk we're going to look at, and that passage too ends with, to the praise of his glory. And and then the third chunk we're going to look at in a couple weeks, to the praise of his glory, glorious grace. It's, It's the same thing. It always comes back to praise. When we unpack the blessings that we enjoy in Christ, it comes back to praise. Ultimately, God blesses us so that he gets more glory. Now, you might go, okay, I know you're almost done, but <laughs> hold on a second. Are you telling me that God does all of that and one of the reasons that he does all that is that so that he gets more glory? Yes, that's what I'm saying. You might say, oh, that sounds strangely like an insecure teenager who lobs things out there to get people to praise them back because they're insecure and they need some, some praise not so. Listen to this. God's desire for his own glory is not selfishness or pride on God's part. It's inherent in his nature to be glorified. That's part of the perfection of God. He is worthy of praise and glory, and our greatest privilege is to give it to him. We don't lose out on anything because God gets the glory. We are most fulfilled—this blows my mind—we are most fulfilled in our lives when we live for God and His glory. That's the way God made us. Nothing gives us joy like living for Him. His glory and our joy are connected. It's the ultimate win-win. You and I are alive and saved for a great cause, the greatest of all, praising God for His glorious grace. Amid the mundane affairs of life, Our role, my friends, remains the same, to live every breath for the glory of God. And the difficulties of life, when we get our heads around that, the difficulties of life are some of the best opportunities for praising God and finding joy in Him. So let me leave you with... One last look at the dance. What does all that look like for you this week? Because I would, wouldn't want us to walk out of here and say, well, that's wonderful. That's really good stuff in there. So what? What does it look like for you this week? How can your behavior this week, your approach to all situations, good, bad, tragic, joy-filled, mundane, your attitude to all people, good people, bad people, lovable people, difficult people, How can all of your behavior this week be a highlight of the glorious grace of God? You and I are alive and saved for a great cause, the greatest cause of all, praising God for His glorious grace. Amid the mundane and even difficult affairs of life, our role remains the same, to live every breath for the glory of God, to find ways to extend the grace of God to others so that God gets the glory. May God give us the grace to pursue life that way this week. Amen. Let's pray. Indeed, God, thank you for what your word tells us, these, this laundry list of spiritual blessings. But God, let them soak deeply, so deeply that what we believe, what we know to be true, We would experience as real in our daily lives this week. We pray in Jesus' name.